Hey guys, Zach here, and I wanted to let you guys know that Fieldwork is brought to you in part by General Mills. General Mills is partnering with farmers and suppliers to advance regenerative ag practices on a million acres of farmland by 2030. Well, you guys, you guys sound great. Oh yeah. You guys sound great. We look great too. Yep. Yep. And our voices are a mixture of Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> Between T-Pain. Fergie and Jesus, that's, I wish I had thought you of that You can aim sooner. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Mitchell Hora. And I'm Zach Johnson. This is the Field Work Podcast. This is a podcast by farmers for farmers where we dig into sustainability and conservation and how to make those practices work on your farms. Today we're talking about the driver of the new world, data, and how important that is. As farmers, we're collecting a ton of data about our fields, our inputs, our yields, and agronomic information. There's a lot of questions though that remain about how are we going to utilize this data, who owns it, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with all this information that we've been collecting for a long time? Yeah, there there are a ton of data companies out there right now. Um, I seems like I learn about a new one about every single day, and that's just within agriculture itself. And so this is something that has really caught on. It's really gotten big, and right now, I think the big thing as farmers, I know for me personally, it's it's trying to figure out how do we use the data to be more economical and, you know, financially beneficial for me on my farm? I mean, what's the difference between what is just really cool data and and what actually shows me a return on investment? And right now, I think um, we, it's kind of the Wild West when it comes to agricultural data and trying to figure out those kinds of things like I just mentioned. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today, and uh, especially when it comes to sustainable agriculture and being able to use data to be sustainable and, and to implement conservation practices so that you can see what your, your different practices might, you know, what the differences are that your different practices might be making on your farm. And so we've got a couple of data experts with us on the podcast today. Uh, joining us via Skype, we've got Charles Barron. Charles is the co-founder and vice president of product at Farmers Business Network. Uh, and full disclosure, FBN is a sponsor of mine for my Minnesota Millennial Farmer projects. We're also going to talk today with John McGuire. He's a precision ag and data consultant who runs Simplified Technology Services. He's joining us from Skype as well, and he is out in Toledo, Ohio. Guys, thanks for joining today. Glad, glad to be here. Thanks, thanks for having us. All right, let's let's start with Charles. Charles, uh, you are with Farmers Business Network. You started that about five years ago. Uh, for the listeners out there who maybe don't know exactly what FBN is, can you talk about that a little bit? What it is, and and maybe how it's changed since you started that. Yeah, thanks, Zach. FBN is basically a farmer to farmer network, and what we do is uh, it's a platform that allows farmers to connect with each other um, using data. Um, so using anonymized aggregated information to do things like benchmark the farm, find better performing seeds, and find uh, price transparency. So see what uh, actually producers are paying in the market for products. Um, and then since then, it's also expanded you know, much more broadly to actually help growers uh, buy products, uh, buy inputs, buy seeds, um, buy crop protection, sell their crops. And even now we have started uh, doing some sustainability tracking as well. So there's a full range of things that a grower can do 
uh, and FBN, and in fact, everything from data to now even healthcare. Um, but uh, the whole point is, how do you give producers a system uh, that uh, they can use to become much more profitable um, and really puts their uh, interest first in the, uh, in the farm system? That's what it's all about right there. Utilizing the data to help drive that short-term and long-term profitability. So Charles, thanks for joining. I'm looking forward to digging more into that. Um, John, you're working with data all the time too, and and working with how do we actually interpret that data and get it to work for us? Tell us a little bit about um, about your company and what you do with data. Yep, thanks, Mitchell. <clears throat> yeah, it, Simplified Technology Services is an independent uh, uh, technology related company from Northwest Ohio. We work all over uh, the Midwest, however. Um, so we work with with data, like you said, and we work with farmers, consultants, people within the retail fertilizer and chemical business, um, and, and even some NGOs where we do do lots and lots of field trials. So, so like you said, been doing it quite a long time. I started in Precision Ag back in 1995 and, and have, uh, have worked in a lot of different uh, parts of the, uh, the supply chain, um, all the way from, from, like I said, working for directly with a farmer, for a farmer, um, to, to working on a, on a large research project back in the middle 90s with, with Monsanto. So data has been an important part of my entire career and, uh, and uh, still helping guys make decisions with it is one of the most pleasurable things I get to do. Tell us a little bit more on some of the specifics of data that we've been collecting um, and what are some of those components that you think are going to be really important to collect in the future? Sure. So, um, you know, as a, as a foundation, it seems like the first the first step in any precision ag pursuit, whether that's a, whether that's a company that's providing a service or whether that's a farmer getting started, is is trying to identify those areas of of the fields and or units that they're trying to manage. Um, so things that that come to come to mind, Mitchell, are are you know obviously we we need to know where the production environments are out there, and and yield monitor data is an excellent way um, to to collect uh, information about where those environments change within fields. So, so being able to look at uh, production environments from the standpoint of, of water and soil type team seem to be the two major drivers to that. So, so things like um, bare soil imagery, uh, varus information, EM38 information, um, all of those can give us some characteristic of, of where soil type changes. And then elevation from the standpoint of, of being able to look at the hydrology within a field and defining those, those hydrological environments and, and then intersect, intersecting that with the, with the soil types becomes uh, really important to identifying um, management zones as related to, uh, to, to production environments. This is something where you've been able to kind of pool that data together beyond just benefiting the, the individual farmers on their farms alone. Um, can you talk a little bit about how when you share that data and you get that real large data set, you know, what, how do you work that with the farmers and what are the benefits of that? Yep. So, so we're changing gears a little bit here from, from individual management units, uh, looking more at what do you do within those environments. And so collecting information uh, across fields when it comes to different management techniques can help define um, and help other people learn from them. And I think that's what you're talking about is, is collecting an aggregated data set that, uh, that basically where, where people are uh, either recording the, those things that they're doing within those fields um, and being able to document that and provide that as part of the aggregate data set. 
um, as well as as being able to say, you know, if, if they are changing some management item, um, um, seeing what the result of that change is, either from what they would have normally done in a, in a traditional sense or and or up against other management practices. So so nitrogen rate comes to mind. We, we spend we've spent um, many, many years collecting different uh, um, nitrogen trial data where we've gone back and, and looked at what is the correct rate given the rate timing placement and form of nitrogen um, uh, that a farmer would use? And so in my mind, what an aggregate data set does is it gives, it gives a farmer the ability to look at um, um, ideas that maybe they hadn't had or haven't had a chance to test on their own operation um, so that they can, they can basically say, all right, based on what I know about what I do, and, and, the, and the aggregate data that I compare to that's much like me, if, if I do make a change, uh, here's what I can expect. And, and I think that's, that's really valuable for, for a farmer um, to have that information to draw on and then be able to move forward on their own operation with at least a little background before they just start completely blind. So it's, it's a really good jumping off point is what an aggregate data set does for a lot of the guys that I work with. Yeah, I think that's exactly it, you know. So looking at that aggregated data to see the overall trends, but yep. then I have to interpret that to my individual farm to see how does my farm then compare to the benchmarks and then I can utilize that aggregated data set to strategically improve my operation. Uh Charles, I think nobody knows huge aggregated agronomy data sets uh, <laughs> quite like uh what you've been able to work on putting together out there at um, Farmers Business Network. Tell us about your interpretation of aggregated data sets and how they can help us on the farm. It's literally the idea of turning the actual world into a plot trial. And so instead of just being able to look at your own farm, being able to look you know, across tens, hundreds of thousands of acres on your soil types, millions of acres around the state, um, and realizing that in your lifetime, in your agricultural practice, It'd be very difficult for you to ever experiment fully the full range of seed, soil, fertility, rotation, combinations, population, row spacing, all the different kind of combinations and permutations of ways you could grow your crop. And you have to make those decisions every year. That's what aggregated data um, is so powerful at helping with, is that it accelerates the decision making. It broadens the uh, world you can look at. Um, to evaluate practices. It lets you validate um, and uh, test things that are conventional wisdom or disprove conventional wisdoms um, about uh, various practices, whether those are uh, seed brands or that's population choices or that's uh, row spacings. So it lets you um, really just uh, actually see what's going on. And that also started for us in realizing that there really wasn't a, a broad scale, call it consumer reports uh, in agriculture that was uh, allowing farmers to accurately share information that was their own information um, that was not coming from uh, a retailer or seed manufacturer, but was their own and they could actually use and, and test against each other um, to see uh, what was actually taking place. So uh, aggregated data can be enormously powerful for, for growers agronomically. Um, one of the big ways farmers use it um, from FBN is not, a, not only the benchmarking, but actually a hybrid seed selection. So it analyzes uh, seeds across tens or hundreds of thousands of acres, and then you can actually see them in your exact conditions. So in your soil types, on other farms, or 
uh, in soil type similar to yours, and then you can tune the population. You can see which yields uh, they're likely to achieve. Um, but that's uh, and that that benefits we've seen uh, accrue um, all the way up to uh, yield gains on the order of about 17 bushels an acre. There's also a whole range of other information that you can realize. So that's things like uh, genetic identity of seeds, where farmers can share seed tags and see when seeds are the same as one another. Um, that's things like price uh, transparency. So farmers can pool the pricing data uh, that they've got and see what they should actually be paying for input. That is really cool. It's it's cool to see you know an online platform that that farmers are able to use like that to be able to share their data so that they can make better management decisions on their individual farms by using all this compound data. At the top of the show, you talked a little bit about how you are getting into sustainability tracking. Can you talk a little bit about how you can use the data to to be useful for sustainable agriculture? We've uh, developed a partnership with uh, Tyson Foods, who is uh, wanting to uh, track practices across the equivalent of their um, their grain supply chain. And so we're creating a program that growers can enroll in, opt into. Uh, none of their information would ever be shared uh, without them doing that. Um, and uh, then they can elect to share, you know, here's the practices that I'm using on my farm. Here's practices that I'm um, changing. So maybe I'm changing a fertility program or I'm adopting a rotational program or cover cropping, all of which would be improving the um, productivity and the, the efficiency of the, the input usage. And so all of which would have various uh, sustainability benefits and, and then potentially get compensated um, for that as well. So it's a program we're in the middle of uh, designing right now. The goal is that, you know, to enable farmers to better prove and validate the practices they are making, or if they are changing them, prove that they've made those changes, uh, get compensated for making those changes, and have uh, the market reward them um, for what they're doing. Um, and uh, and that's really a it's really a cool uh, start to what we we view as a very long uh, term program in land stewardship and sustainability. Charles, I was actually at the uh, an informative meeting that um, some farmers business network guys were putting on with some local farmers in Northern Iowa. And we were talking about the project and whatnot and very intro into it. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what can be put together, what can come out of monitoring sustainability. John, you've seen this stuff evolve over a long time in monitoring sustainability. What does that mean to you, especially when it comes to data and, uh, you know, where, where do you think this goes? Yeah, well, I think uh, I think Charles brings up a good point that that it, any data that's collected around sustainability has to be structured, it has to be well organized, and it has to be to the point of of having benefit both to the farmer, but then also to the company within the supply chain, and and so I, I think Mitchell, anybody that's ever really studied sus- sustainability has probably thought about it from or heard about it from the three perspectives of economic, environmental, and social, right? So so from an economic standpoint, uh, any changes or anything that you're documenting has to be uh, have some sort of an economic benefit, uh, likely to the farmer, and maybe that sl- slides up the supply chain to the supply chain company. Um, but, but luckily, most cases, and I think Charles maybe mentioned this a little bit, that that any change that you do that has a has an economic benefit likely almost always has a uh, an equal benefit in in the environmental standpoint. So so if we're tracking information and helping farmers learn um, to be more uh, 
uh, efficient with their fertilizer uh, and their inputs within to, within to their farming operation, that, that's going to have that economic benefit. But I think, and, and the one that throws everybody off when it, when it comes to that, Mitchell, is usually that social part, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to really get your mind around um, uh, what sustainability means from, from the stakeholders that are involved. Well, we have the consumer on one end who's really trying to understand uh, what goes into food production and into that product that's on the shelf. So they're one part of that social component, being able to tell that story. And that's why it's important to have that structured and organized data so that you can get that information to them that they're interested in. But also, and and I think one of the most forgotten uh, members of that social circle is the farmers themselves. So in other words, you got to be able to come back and take the information that you've collected and, and be able to put that in one way, shape or form uh, so that so that other farmers who may not be um, that far along in their sustainability trek to be able to, to jump on board and learn faster than the original people that put on. So being able to to get that information out and get that story told to, to all of those members um, can be really valuable in both the environmental and economic uh, portions of the sustainability realm there. Well, there it is, Zach, you know, so going back to documenting the process, utilizing data to be able to back all that up and taking some of the topics that we discuss here on the Fieldwork podcast and implement them, you know, maybe now with a little bit more direction, the exact specifics, I don't think are quite all pulled together yet, but the overall direction that we've got to do things more environmentally friendly that have a social benefit. I like that, you know, component of what John said. Um, but they've got to drive an economic benefit back down to your farm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all that's what it all comes down to. Because if we can't economically and financially cash flow year to year, then well, the like farms said, go away, right? If the farm itself isn't sustainable, right. being economically resilient and economically sustainable, then none of this other stuff that we're doing is going to matter because the farm's not even going to be able to survive that's and right. to actually implement something. Yeah. So, we're talking today about data, um, how to put it to use for you and what concerns there might be with its use. Joining us via Skype, we've got Charles Barron from Farmers Business Network. Also joining us over Skype, we've got John McGuire. He's a precision ag and data consultant who runs Simplified Technology Services. Um, John, can you touch a little bit about uh, can you touch a little bit on how farmers may or may not be hesitant? Uh, when it comes to pooling their data and, and having it out there for everybody to see whether whether that's anonymous data or not, what are what are farmers' thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, you know, Zach, I think I think most farmers um, are at that age where um, they're not as open to sharing their information as maybe some of the younger guys. I think I think some of the the younger generations have grown up with with tools like Facebook and Twitter and. And they, they've become accustomed to to letting other people know what's going on. Um, some of the older, you know, and I want to be careful about saying older, some of the more seasoned farmers. <laughs> far, not maybe, the young millennials like Zach and I. Right. Maybe some of those guys are a little more hesitant. And I think it might be as much as anything as as not being sure exactly how the technology functions and works. And, and but I think they're also concerned that 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 they could be taken advantage of with with the information that they release. And and I I always remind them that it's not, maybe not so much as important the, the data itself. It's the information that comes from the data. It's the learning that happens from the data that really has the value. And so I, I always encourage people to to 
to make sure that they um, that they communicate with the people that they're going to share information with, that they learn who they are, um, and and they they make sure they have that trusting relationship. And I think that's that's the key is that pick your partners wisely. Um, you know, make sure you understand what the ins and outs of of putting data into a system, but then also how do you get out of it, um, and then and then make sure that 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 relationship is a two way. Um, sharing. In other words, if you're going to provide information in or provide data in, make sure that the information that you're going to get back out has has equal value or more than what you're putting in. So um, whether that's a for pay service or whether that's something that you're getting as a result of, of some other service provided. Charles, we're thousands of miles apart right now, and uh, I can just feel you chomping at the bit on this one. What's your response into this? You know, how do we address some of these concerns? You know, John brought up a lot of items there that um, I think everybody listening to this episode, it's on their mind. How do we address some of those concerns? You know, the big thing is understanding um, who is it that you're working with and how is that information being used and and for what and for what and how does it benefit me as a, a producer? And that's where we see uh, the value of aggregated data for producers is, is in actually discovering uh, the insights that would otherwise be impossible uh, to determine or have been hidden or have been almost industry secrets or have been things that um, you know, weren't able to be revealed uh, from any other means. Um, that's uh, helped lead to some very basic kind of insights about things like the seed industry and practices around uh, relabeling of genetics. Um, you know, for example, we had a, a project where uh, f- farmers were could share the seed tags and then could determine whether or not the seeds they were planting are being sold by other companies. And we didn't even know what we'd find out when farmers started sharing that information. And then we found out that basically 53% of the soybeans and 46% of the corn seeds were the same as one another. Um, they were just being labeled differently by multiple companies and had different uh, 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 brand names in the market. That information was worth you know, thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars um, to a grower, uh, tens of dollars an acre. Uh, we saw one seed sold by, for $100 a bag difference, only made possible by creating that kind of sharing platform. What do you have for advice for farmers? And maybe you've got some inside, you know, some, some insight on this as far as what farmers can do to really to protect their data. For farmers that are that are hesitant about it, you know, maybe they want access to this aggregated data, but how do they protect their data and make sure that they're not going to be taken advantage of? You know, the the key, you know, for us is that uh, the way the way we have we constructed it from the beginning is that you could do as little or as much as you wanted as a grower. So, in fact, in, in FBN, you actually don't even have to share data uh, to be part of FBN at all. Um, you can simply use other aspects of the service without ever ask, uh, adding data. But to see those kind of aggregated insights, um, the, it's part of a community and it's a community of people who contribute. And so, um, you know, to unlock those insights, people have to, uh, people have to share. You know, you also have to kind of think about what are your levels of concern? Are you concerned about um, someone somehow hacking the information or having access to your yield data? And you have to remember that on, online in a security standpoint, uh, most of the types of things that people are actually trying to go get are, are basically like your credit card information. <laughs> it's not it's not the actual on-farm or the application data or the, the yield data. Um, and uh, that that's kind of what the uh, the most common type of 
um, you know, security risk is, is around it. So, you know, the thing is you just have to understand, okay, what types of information do you have? What are you comfortable sharing if you want to do it? Uh, if you don't want to do it, you, do, you, you absolutely don't have to. Um, but we view it as, you know, the benefits are quite uh, enormous um, for folks if they uh, do and if they uh, are ready to take advantage of them and make a big decision based on what they find out. So you're saying there's not a whole lot of hackers out there sitting in the suburbs trying to hack into my yield data and figure out how my south quarter yielded last year? I haven't seen we haven't seen that one yet. What about any like just you know all that information that's going in there being just exposed and the value then that that aggregated data set brings about if that's then exposed is that maybe a concern? Well, I, I think what you have to think about there is, okay, um, the infrastructure that it takes to actually do this is uh, quite uh, quite sophisticated. So you have to use cloud computing systems. You have to use um, a whole lot of provisioning around security. Um, it's very difficult to do the engineering at this scale um, in, uh, in, a, in a very simple manner. So, um, you know, we have to use you know, elaborate uh, security provisions and controls um, simply to be able to uh, set up the operation, to run it on the cloud, um, to be able to process and, and manage data at that scale. And um, it's, uh, it's absolutely not easy to do uh, in any way. You know, I think when, when farmers are out there and they're looking for partners or they're thinking about, okay, how do I want to use this information or share it? Um, it's really important to also understand kind of the security practices of um, the people you're working with as well. So John, a lot of different concerns there when it comes to, you know, data privacy, do we need to be super concerned or not? What's your thoughts when it comes to this and things that you've been seeing and hearing? Yep. Mitchell, I think, I think this is a great topic and I think it's something any farmer or anybody for that matter, who is, uh, who is sharing information. And that goes all the way from your Apple watch all the way up to, uh, to, to utilizing, you know, the cloud services that are out there. And, and it reminds me of a story. Um, we were on a plane on our way into Commodity Classic, and of course, we were on a plane full of farmers. And we got to talking to one guy sitting in front of us who was from Wisconsin. And we, we talked a little bit about, you know, what he does with all his information. And, and, you know, we asked him this very question. And he said, you know, it doesn't really concern me because it's just little old me. You know, what, what, is, what is that big company going to do with little old me? And, uh, and it really, from that perspective, there isn't a lot of value, you know, one farmer at a time, there's not a lot of value, but if we put a lot of farmers together and you put a lot of information together from that, uh, there is a lot of responsibility that goes along with that. And so farmers, I think, I, I think this comes back to trust and, and the, and the three words that come, come to mind that the farmer should be thinking about is know, like, and trust. You should know the company you're working with. You should make sure that you like the company you're working with and make sure you trust the company you're working with. Um, and, I, and I think one thing I want to bring up here is that a lot of people are, are trying or you know, doing away with the legwork um, uh, that used to have to happen with a USB stick or, or a memory card, for that matter, um, to be able to utilize cloud services. And they're, they're basically doing it for their own convenience or maybe their service for providers' convenience. I think what they what they need to think about is by sh agreeing and sharing um, by agreeing to, to to basically you know do away with those logistics. What else are you trading away? In other words, are you giving somebody else license to sift through your information as a result of, of trying to make yourself um, 
your your life easier by doing away with it, with some USB sticks. And 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 I'm not saying that's good or bad. What I'm saying is make sure that you understand uh, what opportunities you are granting uh, other other entities as a result of, of utilizing their services. And again, I fall back to that know, like, and trust. Make sure you know that company, know what you're agreeing to. Make sure you like that company, you like what you're agreeing to, and and. and and basically, I would use those three words as a guide of, of who I pick to cooperate with, Mitchell. So, John, you've talked a lot about making sure that you know and, and trust the company that you're working with when it comes to data. In mm-hmm. your mind, do you think there are companies out there who are using farmers' data in a negative way without maybe even the farmers necessarily knowing about that? Well, I don't know so much as I would call it negative, but I do think that they uh, that there are if you read the user agreements closely that that you're granting rights to to different entities out there uh, to be able to look and and aggregate information anonymously uh, to either improve services, create new services, um, and, and be able to basically improve their um, their market standing as a result of, of having access to your data. And, and again, I think this comes back to understanding the, the trade-off that you have for, for value you gain versus value you, you share or give away. And that, to me, is, is where, it, where it boils down to, is make sure that you are, 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 giving, you are getting as much as you're giving in, in those respects. I think, I think that's key. Well, I think that ties back into kind of what we started with here earlier and something that's near and dear to my heart as a consultant trying to work in this space is with that data and so many of these big companies coming in, Charles, like you mentioned, Tyson's, um, how do we get that data to now work for us? And what do we want to be looking forward to um, as more and more of these companies turn a focus to sustainability and backing that with data? Uh, I think key thing again there is okay, understand what, um, you know, what the partner is and what they're doing. Um, you know, in the case of like, you know, what we, we mentioned with Tyson's, uh, this is something absolutely that growers would have to opt into. They'd have to elect to participate. And then even when they participated, their data would still be anonymous and, and, and not, you know, personal information would never be shared and that, the like. Um, but it, this really creates a whole new um, world of opportunity for growers because, uh, data and standardization around uh, reporting and tracking um, allows uh, uh, growers to get uh, paid and market in ways that they haven't been able to uh, before. And uh, that will allow them to tell the story of their farm differently. It'll allow them to communicate uh, to consumers differently if they want to. Um, it'll allow them to access new markets. It'll allow them to participate in product development. Um, so it really will open up an entire new world for growers um, if they, you know, position themselves to take advantage of it. Telling stories from the farm, Zach, that would never work. Yeah, no, we <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. Nobody wants to listen to that. Um, I, I've got a couple of final questions here, or really just one final question for each of you. Let's start with Charles. When it comes to the sustainability tracking and, and staying with that topic, where do you see this 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road from now? Well, I think what you what you see is that, okay, if you think about your farm today and you're thinking about what you're growing on the farm today and how you're how you're actually getting paid, your 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 market right now is driven by what somebody's buying in the area, um, by the local elevator, by the your opportunities to market that grain. And if you don't have any way of uh, demonstrating differentiation for your grain, 
um, uh, then you're going to get paid for you know for field corn for number two corn, and you're going to get paid paid the commodity price. And on the other side of the coin, what you see is these huge consumer trends um, that are driving very rapidly changing parts of the food uh, industry. Um, lots of new brands coming online, very small, you know, what, what start as small brands reaching kind of pretty large scale very quickly now. Um, you have a whole new world of way that food gets distributed online through people like Amazon. Um, so there's a very new part of the food industry that's growing very rapidly, which is wants to be able to tell the story of where the food came from uh, all the way back to the farm. And that historically has not been something that's been easy uh, for grain producers. So I think you look out into the future and you say, these really big, powerful consumer trends, how do I take advantage of them? How do I uh, make sure my farm is positioned you know, for the future? Because I think what, what's going to be possible here, and it already is in, in various ways, is the ability to get paid for uniquely what you're doing in each field. Your crop is, you have to remember, your crop's not a commodity uh, when it's in your field. It's a commodity once it reaches the elevator and it starts getting blended. Um, but there's something unique about it when it's in your field, whether that's the genetics you're using, whether that's the practices you're using, your fertility program, your treatment of the soil, um, even the story of, of you and your family. Uh, those are all things that actually make your crop unique and can have marketing value for your crop. Um, so I think what you're going to see here is a whole world of brands uh, who want to be able to tell that story uh, very clearly. Um, they need the mechanisms to be able to connect with farmers about it. Uh, farmers need the mechanisms to be able to communicate what they're doing. And what I hope if we get ahead of this as, as farmers, that it positions farmers in a way to get paid and not end up in a situation where these are just expected or this is just a given that you're supposed to be doing certain things um, or that regulation is, is for pushing farmers to do it. And those would be the negative uh, ways in which these changes um, uh, come on board um, rather than having producers create systems, uh, you know, tell their stories and, and really get compensated because that's how I think the most enduring sustainable changes will uh, will take hold with growers. Our crop is special, Zach, just like us. Just like us. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. So, John, John, with that, you know, how does that tie into uh, kind of your final takeaways from all this too on uh, how we really make this data work for us? Because uh, Zach and I, we want to get a helicopter figured out. Um, we want to we want to buy a helicopter, so we're gonna need a lot of money here. We don't want to make buy this it. happen. Well, the people over there, they'll figure out who's going to yeah, buy we it. Need to get a, we need to get a helicopter. So we need a lot of money. I like it. I like where your head is. And, <laughs> and, and frankly, that, 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 Mitchell, is exactly what I was thinking as, that as you want a Charles helicopter too? talking. Well, no, no, I don't need a <laughs> helicopter. I, I'm actually good. Uh, but if you wanted to come fly me around, I'd certainly go hey, with Hey, anytime. We'd be all um, out in California right now with Charles. That's, that's what right. we would be doing. Awesome. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I really like what Charles says about, about, the grain not being a commodity until it gets to, to the elevator. And I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, it's, it's about aggregation uh, of that grain is where it starts to lose some of its value. And I think, Mitchell, it makes me think uh, from an agronomist standpoint or from, from the ag agronomy practices that's going to happen. Uh, Zach said something about 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. I, I think we all see the writing on the wall that, um, that, that what we have to do has got to become more efficient in order for us to remain economically sustainable. And I think that's really what the opportunity is with data. 
I think benchmarking at multiple levels between farmers and on the farm is as important as anything. Uh, understanding those environments, coming back to where I started and, and being able to benchmark and utilize information um, is going to give farmers the leg up to, to be able to be more productive, be able to better manage their 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 data and, and their crops for that matter, using that data. But I think it's I think it comes back to um, um, as as farmers need to get better at at um, looking at trends, looking at data, using the utilizing the tools that are there in order to better improve their agronomic situation. And um, and I think it all starts with with farm within the farm benchmarking and look at benchmarking data sets uh, that are aggregated. So I'm excited about the future ultimately. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, looking at where your farm's at, looking at opportunities to improve and uh, making a conscious effort to do so. Awesome, guys. Thank you very much for joining us today. That was Charles Barron and John McGuire joining us via Skype for this awesome conversation. Thanks, everybody. Great to be with you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you bet. See ya. Bye. Well, Zach, that's all we have for today's show, talking about data. Um, We've got a lot of help here putting together this great show. We hope you're enjoying it. Thanks to everybody who helps put this show together. Amy Scotchless-Cole, Annie Baxter, Dan Ackerman, Lauren Humpert, Todd Melby, Laura Doherty, and Dom DeFurio. Thank you for all you do to make this show possible. And thank you to the engineering staff at American Public Media for their technical support. Our theme song is written and performed by Johnny Vince Evans. Check us out at fieldworktalk.org to learn more about where what we are up to. We are also all over the web on social media. We've got video versions up of the podcast on YouTube at Fieldwork Talk, also Twitter and Facebook. It's all the same, Fieldwork Talk. And if you like this show, and if you don't like this show, please leave us a review. It really helps us out, helps others to be able to find the show. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.